0: We would be honored if you would join us. Alright, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we are here. That's right, we're here, because a rift opened up in time and space, we got sucked through it, we disappeared for like a month, and then suddenly it spit us out like a two-year-old baby spitting out their green vegetables. Yep, you know, it's it's all over the plate, it's all over the table. We're back. Um... Yeah, the universe just didn't like two redheads in Alton. And uh, now you gotta eat your. Oh lunchtime. my gosh, that's
1: Wait. the name
0: of our sitcom.
1: <laughs> two redheads
0: in <laughs> <Two laughs> red Alton.
2: That's right. We totally need. Yeah, I,
0: I think we totally need to make that
2: a, a video sitcom now. Uh, so sometime we're gonna have to come up with catchphrases, but uh, that's not this episode, unfortunately. <laughs> <Catchphrase>. <laughs> I, I think. I think that's a challenge.
0: What is your catchphrase of the day? Um, did I do that? No, 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 that's already <laughs> no, been no, used. no. Don't take that one. Don't take that yeah. one. Not the mama. That's already been used. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yes, we've been gone for a while. Uh, I've had to endure some grueling uh, personal stuff that uh, unfortunately has knocked me out of the game for a while. Uh, you know, Krebs has started up school uh teach he teaches so he had to start up with school and stuff so that knocked him out for a while and and alton's been super busy with all the amazing stuff that alton does that's right hey it's he, true he drinks cocoa on the side mm-hmm. one day he's going to be like a master cocoa maker uh, he, he has this
2: long list of all these achievements and one of those will be master cocoa worker or maker one day so here's the thing that i will say okay my immersion blender finally arrived And so I'm starting to do um, flavored butters to go with my fresh bread that I deliver on Sundays. It is quite excellent.
1: Oh, now I wish I lived in your neighborhood.
2: Okay, so you just topped my my, my cocoa maker thing. Jeez, thanks. Uh, (laughs) Hey, this has been a year. All of us need to do something to cope. For me, it was cooking.
0: I am a master butter blender. That is Alton.
2: <laughs> Master Butter Blender. Oh, um, no. You know, someone out there is going to make fan art now. They don't even ooh. know what I look like, but they're going to come up with something of how they think that my voice would translate into a body. Yes. And because it has to do with butter, the already rotund figure that I hold is probably going to be even slightly more so. And if no, the artwork no, is it not be. I mean, look at Ratatouille. You
0: know, that, that guy was super skinny. And he was a cook. Of course, his dad wasn't. But hey, uh, so (laughs) we got a great episode. We're going to be doing another Rad Dome. That's right.
2: (laughs) The Rad Dome.
0: (laughs) The Rad Dome is going to be a special event that uh, we're turning over to Alton because he is the master game maker uh, of the group. So uh, take it away.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Rad Dome. (laughs) Actually, I do have a sound horn for this. There we go. That was awesome. I know, it was totally worth the setup. It just, it paid off. (laughs) Anyway, the point is, today in the Rad Dome, we're going to be squaring off. But it isn't about... Uh, the famous toys from my childhood this time. This time we are returning to a classic fight scenario in which each of our competitors this evening is going to be assembling a roster of three heroes who are going to be rated on three different criteria, which we will get to as each round starts. The way that this is going to go is, when each round begins, I will announce what the characteristic that I need them to choose a hero for will be, and then I will take about 20 seconds or so to describe some of what those characteristics could be. During that time, Dan and Krebs are each going to be choosing their hero of choice, and when they come back, they need to argue physical, mental, and emotional reasons why that person would be able to hold their own in that area. After each of them has had their chance to go once through, each will have one opportunity to respond, to be able to try to counter their opponent's argument, or say how their hero would be able to outwit. As always, I will be assigning completely arbitrary scores based on my limited knowledge, but uh, perfect taste. Uh, As all of you know, my last episode we did with Rad Dome just did so well, not a single person in the world disagreed with me on anything, but... The hope is, is that if you have your own opinions or would like to play at home, please do. Uh, Remember, the points are arbitrary. It's not about which is better. Only which wins tonight in the Rad Dome. The
0: only (laughs) only good thing about this is it's a little (laughs) bit better than whose line is it anyways. Because, you know, maybe the points don't matter, but they do matter because one of us will win.
1: There is a declared winner.
0: And last time Dan won.
1: Dan
2: It is true. And so because of that, this time Dan got to pick during the roll off and he chose to go second in the first round, which means that Krebs will need to present first. That gives Dan a slight edge. He will have some additional time to think about his hero, but we'll see how the end of round one goes. In round two, it will swap so that Dan will go first and Krebs will go second. And then at that point, we will determine what happens in round three. But nevertheless, we hope you have an excellent time this evening. Play along at home. And tonight, we welcome you once again to the Rad Dome. For round one, I need you to choose a hero who exemplifies resilience. Now, resilience, in my mind, is the ability to keep coming back. And again, a good hero should be able to recover both physically, mentally, and emotionally. While they may have an area in which they are particularly astute at being able to come back from the brink, this is not about necessarily being better than your opponent out front, but being able to come back from a defeat. Even more than that, there are going to be times where powers get turned off, or maybe your ability to use your strengths may be lessened. And these types of heroes are going to be able to figure out how to push through that pain and make it happen. With that being said, I have an additional 10 seconds on the clock, and then I'll turn it over to Krebs. So... For those of you that are out there, this is your chance to write it down. If you need to pause so that everybody on your side of the internet has a chance to figure out their people, here you go. And otherwise, we're going to begin. Chris, go ahead.
1: Now, out of curiosity, are there any other restrictions on who these heroes can be, like what source material they may come from, anything yeah. like at periods, age, anything like that? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, in that case, My hero for resilience is going to be John Crichton from Farscape. John Crichton was an American astronaut in an Australian uh, aerospace program who then took the Farscape 1 module into space to show that slingshotting could help Humans travel at a speed that would allow them to get to other planets much faster, maybe not quite speed of light, but he, you could improve space travel. In so doing, he encountered an unexpected wormhole. He was siphoned through to a completely other like a, a completely new universe. He was just he was just somewhere else and he is encounter- he's surrounded by alien life forms. And for five seasons, five television seasons straight, he learned to adapt to every new obstacle that was thrown his way. He uh, met a, he met several alien life forms, including a sabatian who is surprisingly human in their form, humanoid in their form with some alien differences. But he was able to maintain a real long-term relationship in space, save the lives of his friends, kill a few people who needed killing and fight against a notorious arch nemesis who just wouldn't leave him alone for years in space away from home, including the time that he thought he had gone home, that he was... In fact, actually, I think there was an episode where he did make it back to Earth. No, I think it was a fake. Anyway, he, uh, he thought he was home, and it would have been easy for him to psychologically accept that he was home, but he kept finding that there were problems, and he mentally dissected it until it ruined the illusion, and he had to escape the clutches of a, of a vile enemy. Uh, that is top-notch resilience.
2: Excellent. Now, one more thing that I'm going to ask on that front, while you did mention a number of things in the mental and emotional category, are there any examples of how he was physically resilient across the course of his media?
1: Uh, Yes, he was imprisoned, tortured, uh, made sick, uh, infected, uh, infested. He fought all these things off to maintain his humanity, his health, and he survived a crap
2: ton of things. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, Now, uh, Dan is going to receive uh, the equivalent amount of time to be able to go through his character, at which point uh, we will swap back to allow you a small rebuttal, Krebs, then Dan a small rebuttal, and then we will continue onwards to the next phase. So, Dan, take it away.
0: All right. My character for resilience is Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern. This guy is super resilient. I mean, he witnessed his father dying before his eyes in an airplane crash did he let that t- bring him down emotionally or mentally no he continued on and became an air force pilot himself and not only that uh he was an incredibly willful guy uh would bounce back from so many things he ends up getting a power ring um from uh, avinsor and then becomes pretty much the equivalent of a space cop. He has to deal with, uh, you know, aliens that look down upon him because he's an Earthling, and he, you know, in their eyes, he's he's scum. Yeah, yeah. There there are talking birds and fish that are seen as uh, higher life forms than he is. But he comes to show them that he is not only the best, but he is a better uh, lantern than all of them. He's able to come up with constructs that are beyond what they're able to to create. Uh, he is able to overcome so many obstacles as a Green Lantern. Uh, you know, he has fought. He he has found that you know because originally the weakness was ye- the color yellow. Well, he overcame that and found out that you know it's only when you overcome great fear are you able to the color yellow no longer hampers you. Hal Jordan has also been able to override you know, through his own resilience and strength to override the one rule, uh, that the ring never allowed, which was to destroy a guardian. And he he's done that, uh, emotionally, he's been resilient because he, uh, again, besides watching his father die, uh, he witnessed the destruction of his home city and everyone within it, um, uh, to the point that he went after and killed, uh, Sinestro, other villains, took on the entity of fear itself, Parallax, and was able to you know, use it and manipulate it. Eventually, he realized that it was using him and sacrificed himself to save humanity and reboot the world, the universe, excuse me, um, by doing that. Uh, and then he came back to life, took uh, uh, through a series of different things he took on the leadership because the guardians were wiped out. He took on the leadership of the green lanterns. And you know, that's, that's hard to come through when the people that have been running this police force and suddenly now you're in charge of it. And instead of stepping away or stepping down, he continued to, to press forward and took on that responsibility. He's been turned down by the woman he's loved over and over and over again, yet he still tries to win her. You know, it's it's amazing the, the things he's done. He has come to the brink of insanity and returned to be a stronger, more solid person than ever. And he's been around for 61 years dealing with aliens. He's been trapped. He's been tortured. He's been abused. He makes John Crichton's little time of five years
2: look like a small cruise. Oh, what nice a throw down. Nice I very much appreciate that. Um, so uh, that is a pretty interesting thing. Uh, Krebs, do you have any responses or additions that you would like to make?
1: You know, the Green Lantern poses some very interesting issues. You brought up earlier that his number one weakness was the color yellow, and that had to do with the embodiment of fear known as parallax, who, uh, who was uh, sort of he was an impurity in the central battery. Right. So uh, for the longest time, uh, fear transmitted through the color yellow uh, was his number one downfall uh, which always felt like kind of a silly weakness to have i mean even superman when you talk about kryptonite i realize it's the color green but it's not the color of the kryptonite that matters it's the fact that it's from another planet it has a uh, corporal form it's physical it's a mineral that was the thing that brought superman down uh, but here's a guy who you know the right frequency of light uh breaks him down in addition to that All of his superpowers, even though I will give I will give you that uh, he has a a point in the in his arc where he forges his own ring through the power of his own will, like he forges his own ring as any true Jedi would. Right. Um, As I start mixing metaphors, but or mixing universes. Um, But in truth, if you if you take that ring away, if you remove the ring, does he have any real power? And the answer is he becomes a cocky pilot with emotional instability that is incredibly imaginative and has no power. John Crichton is, uh, is himself a genius an astronaut and everything he accomplished singularly by himself was through his own capabilities, not through some artifice that was granted to him by a dying alien.
2: Excellent. Dan, here's your chance to rebut and or ad- append. Well-
0: yeah, no, no, this this is going to be easy and great. You know, uh, you brought up a lot of good points. John Crichton, cocky astronaut, uh, same as Hal Jordan. That's uh, true. Hal Jordan actually is, uh, uh, his intelligence is really high up there. Um, that's something that not a lot of people know, and, and that's why he is able to co- create the constructs he has been, because he is very intelligent and imaginative. Um, there are several uh, issues, uh, the comic books, where he is, you know, If he had the same resources as Bruce Wayne, they would almost be equivalent um, as far as intelligence. Uh, So as far as mentally matched, I think him and John Crichton uh, match up very well. Now, yes, he loses the ring. He doesn't have the power, but... You've seen many issues or even uh, movies and stuff like that where he doesn't have the power of the ring, but he can still survive. You know, there's one where he crash lands on a frozen planet. He still figures out how to survive, uses his wits, um, and is very resilient in in an inhospitable world. Uh, you know, John Crichton relies a lot on alien technology. Uh, yes, he is really smart, uh, he's able to, 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 pilot the ship gets thrown out there, but a lot of the time, you know, again, I, I know how Jordan does it a lot, they're both flying by the seat of their pants. They're That's both true. flying on, on alien technology, uh, but when it comes to the end of the day, you know, there have been many times where you've seen John Crichton just collapse, you know, he gets captured by, by uh Oh, man, I want to say Scorponox, but I know that's wrong. Uh, it's uh, Scorpius. 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 And he just collapses. He just doesn't know how to get out. He doesn't know what to do. Hal Jordan, in that situation, would figure out how to make you know, MacGyver it. I'm, I'm going to use that terminology since you mix it. He would find a way to turn a toothpick into some weapon and escape.
1: As long as the toothpick wasn't yellow.
0: Well... <laughs> he overcomes he overcomes the challenge that's the great thing about Hal jordan he's the one that discovers that by overcoming your fear yellow is no longer a weakness
2: that's true so he did do that you're right yep. excellent excellent so Thank he you, he
0: buddy. overcomes his own weakness
2: so first things first Thank you both for taking your time while I'm going through and tabulating my scores. This is the part where you each get to rate the other person's character um, as well as your own. So first things first, let's start with Mr. John Crichton Uh, in the physical category. Krebs, how would you rate him on a scale of one to 10
1: on a scale of one to 10? Well, being that he's a normal human, but he's a physically fit human, uh, and taking that into account on a scale of just pure human strength, I'd rate him like a six and a half. Uh, he's he's physically fit, he's strong, but there's nothing special about that aspect
2: of his person. And uh, Dan, how would you rate him physically?
0: I, I'm going to give him a six. Uh, I, I agree. As far as a human, he's very fit. You have to be, to be in the the aerospace you know there's strict rigorous uh physical uh evaluations they have to go through so i would say definitely he is a six is he an incredible hulk is he thor is he uh you know captain steve rogers no
2: but he 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 can hold his own he can definitely hold his own in a fight excellent um mentally mr john Crichton krebs
1: I think personally, mental is where he shines. Uh, he's he's a genius. He's an aerospace genius, uh, and he is constantly using his incredible wit and uh, reflexive uh, sort of. Uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, he he can think on the fly extremely quickly, and uh, combine his genius. With his quick wit and his uh, savvy survival wits, I would definitely put him at least at. I, I'd give him, I give him an eight and a half on the mental scale.
2: Dan,
0: uh, I'm going to go a seven and a half.
2: Okay,
0: I, I, I agree with a lot of what Krebs says, um, but my, my where he drops down a point is because of the next question you're going to ask me. Uh, When emotions come in, it's a weakness for him, and it plays a factor.
1: I absolutely agree with that. In scoring them, I was trying to keep those scores separate, but I do agree that emotional is his weakness.
0: Yeah.
2: So let's talk about that scale of 1 to 10 on emotion, Krebs.
0: So Uh, before before we answer that, I just want to make sure. So on 1 to 10, 10 being like, man, this guy is emotionally solid, to 1 and 1's being, man, this guy is just out of it
2: yeah
0: okay yep. okay i want to make sure
1: okay um for me john Crichton, uh the best way to get to uh, you can um, i mean his emotions are the things that are most easily exploited you can bend him break him you can do a lot of things to him via his emotions they get away from him and they tend to take over so as brilliant as he is he does not allow logic to always win and because of that, I think in terms of emotional strength, yeah, he's he's been through some traumatic stuff, and he he has fared that well, but in terms of being master of his emotions, instead of his emotions being master of him, I think this puts him like at a four, where all four points have to do with his mental stamina, or I'm sorry, his emotional stamina, and his emotional um, sort of uh, ability to survive, but that is absolutely his weak point, and you can break him just through that channel. so I'm gonna give him a four.
2: Dan
0: uh, I'm gonna go a four here as well, uh, because a lot of the times, especially through the series, when you see him, the moments that things mess up is when his emotions go into play. I mean, it's a lot like Star Lord, you know they're they're getting the gauntlet off, and instead of focusing on getting the gauntlet off, he starts screaming and yelling at Thanos. Uh, we see this with Crichton quite a bit where everything is going right. And he lets his emotions, like something happens to Aaron, or something happens to Dargo or something like that. And he just loses the focus and all sense of reality, it seems like. True, true. And then it's, it's just downhill from there.
2: Perfect, let's talk about the Green Lantern himself, Mr. Hal Jordan. On a physical scale, Dan, one to ten.
0: Uh, physically, I, I'm going to say he's a little bit more. Uh, you know, I'm going to say a seven. Uh, again, we we've got we've got the the rigorous uh, physical training. He's in the military. He, yes, he, he you know uh, he, he's a, a pilot. But on top of that, as a Green Lantern. You know they have to maintain a, a decent shape because these are dealing with the worst of the worst out in the universe. The ring isn't their only thing. They are punching, kicking, beating things up. There are times when they don't have the ring, so they have to have some backup. So they do have skill. And, and then on top of that, you know, Kilowog isn't going to let some pooser just walk through and be a fat chubby.
1: Ouch. That's true. No, he's he's not wrong. I, I I don't have a ring because I'm not fit.
2: <laughs> uh, Krebs, give us a physical score for Mr. Hal Jordan. You know,
1: I think this is where I'm going to be a little bit more generous, and I want to say, I actually rank him as an eight for everything that Dan said, um, and I'm considering his physical shape without the ring, without the, you know, um, yeah. without the, uh, the power that is imbued to him by the ring. Um, he he is a test pilot but he's like a a completely experimental craft breaking multiple levels of mock type you know test pilot um he's being uh being the toppest of top guns is his way of life prior to the ring anyway and then he takes that same mentality into being the green lantern uh and i agree with dan when when the ring is not around it's all about his ability to um endure lengthy runs and to have fights and and I realize this is uh, a comic, I realize this is a graphic um, universe, if you will, but the truth is, in real life, you get into a fight, any fight that lasts longer than about 60 seconds, and you're just sucking wind, Uh, and, and he has to physically fight multiple enemies all the time, with or without the ring, does not matter. Um, and uh, on top of that, all of his journeying through space, his handling of multiple gravitational situations, both less gravity and higher gravity, um, he's had to go through a lot of stuff. So as humans, as humans go,
2: I give him an 8. Okay. On a mental scale, Dan? I'm
0: going to give him a 9. Because using the power ring is a lot of imagination and and, and a lot of mental skills. Uh, To be able to craft a fully mechanized mech that you can pilot, uh, or even a jet. It is amazing, and these are and these constructs he creates are very vivid and detailed to the point that you know missiles are flying off and they're blowing up the the correct way. Not only that, Hal Jordan is one of the few people that have been able to use the Power Ring to actually create kryptonite out of his, with his ring that actually has weakened uh, Superman because he's been able to get the right radiation frequency because um, really that's what poisons superman is the radiation emanating off of that rock and he is able to manipulate that and create that perfectly that takes a lot of mental skill to be able to create something that specific um so i think mentally he's really up there as well as you know before he gets the ring you know Test piloting these aircraft that are experimental, it takes a lot of mental nerve and and guts to do that. And not only that, he excels at that. He's really good at that. And he can – he figures out how to break them and get it to the point. And then when he gets down on on the, the tarmac, he can say, this is why it didn't work, and give them a whole bunch of reasons how they can improve it. It's not just, hey, it's broken. Fix it. This is why, this is how you can make it better. So that's Sweet. that's really cool about the, that, that character.
2: Cool. Krebs, scale of one to 10 for mental resilience. This
1: one's a, this one's a little hard for me. I kind of vacillate back and forth, but uh, I I hear Dan justifying the nine. I get that. I find Hal Jordan to be incredibly imaginative, and that I absolutely agree with. And he's extremely swift with his thought process. He can dissect a problem extremely quickly. Um, he is very good at understanding... His domain of expertise, I get that too. Uh, but I, I, and I might be wrong about this, and people are going to scream at me, I get that. I don't consider him a totally universal genius. I consider him an imaginative guy. I consider him someone who's very quick-witted, and someone who uh, on the sly can come up with a solution to a problem that most people can't see. That is extremely imaginative and creative, and I think he's a creative guy. But um, it's... The way that Hal Jordan eliminated his weakness was that he fought the embodiment of fear, which meant that for a very long time, fear was something that could get in his way. Um, And that's true of all humans. And because of that, I see that as a very just it it humanizes him for me. And that's a good thing when we're talking about literature. But as I think about his mental acuity, um, very strong. But I'm going to have to go with, um, you know. John Crichton survives despite his weaknesses. Hal Jordan eliminated his weakness. Now, what does he? What does he actually? What is he actually weak against? Does that actually make him stronger? He definitely made the. He made the scales weighted in his side. Sure, but does that actually make him better? I don't know that it does. Um, I think when you remove obstacles, that's when you actually generate weakness. Uh, I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to give him an eight. I'm going to give him an eight on the mental scale.
2: Okay, Dan, emotionally. Give us a, a number on board, uh, one to ten for Hal Jordan.
0: You know, emotionally is where he's going to score the weakness for me. Um, he, you know, a lot like Crichton, he struggles with emotions. Uh, he's very quick to anger. He's very quick to uh, irrationality. Um, I'm going to give him a five um, because even though you know he he does tend to tip that skill a lot like Crichton does. He does have that natural born leader that he immediately recognizes when he's made a mistake and then he reengages and charges forward uh, where I think Crichton struggles with that. Um, So that's why I'm giving him an extra point of Crichton because he can realize that and reengage and
2: move forward. Cool. Uh, Krebs, emotional resilience.
1: I agree with Dan on this one. I think he does score a five. I think he scores a little bit better than Crichton. Crichton, um, is definitely a, a passion ball. Um, and he's kind of all over the place. He gets centered by other people helping him to center. And I agree that Hal Jordan often is in a solitary situation where he has to center himself. Um, but I also acknowledge that he is in many ways um in in terms of emotional intelligence in terms of emotional maturity he's a bit stunted uh dan pointed out that and, and again this makes for good literature and i acknowledge that but uh he's chasing the same love interest for years and years and years with no real development uh no concrete development that lasts and that is a sure sign of someone who is not emotionally mature and does not learn from from those escapades and mistakes so um i'm gonna agree with the five because he can center himself but he's not as emotionally mature as he ought to be if he's going to have galactic power
2: yeah excellent thank you both very much uh just to kind of resummarize for everybody really quick Hal jordan green lantern from the dc universe Uh, A couple of the notes that I took down. We talked a lot about the death of innocence, right? The way in which he handled his father's death and even the death of entire societies flying into the beyond. And he certainly knows how to accessorize. Um, Though, to (laughs) me, I do wonder what his superpowers do to interfere with that resilience, even though some of that resilience is indeed important to his superpowers. I wonder how he as an individual is resilient, Uh, also I find it, I've always found it kind of funny, the weakness to colors, which I am glad that you both called out. But in the end, as you said, he is not weak to colors. One thing uh, that I liked that Dan brought up that I gave some bonus points for was that he's no James James Cameron. He doesn't need aliens to be successful. <laughs> um, and uh, he is the MacGyver of the stars. I'm pretty sure that I saw an original script somewhere that in, dark, in Brightest Day or Darkest Night, no paperclip escapes my sight, but I'm glad they updated it before it went to print. On the other hand, John Crichton from Farscape is an astronaut who goes across the universe for five years. He goes on this voyage that is, in fact, quite a bit longer than a three hour tour. Uh, we see that kind of loss of illusion over time. And although he does have to deal with Parasite, really, he excels at having sick burns, bro. I appreciate <laughs> Krebs won two color jabs. Uh, and I also do have to give some bonus points to him as well for being a solo artist. We'll talk about the winner of round one in just a moment. But in round two, Mr. Dan will be going first with Mr. Krebs going second. Um, I will ask that we shorten our responses slightly in round two, particularly at the tail end, um, so that we have time to score everything appropriately at the end of round three. But, agreed. Uh, round two, what we are looking for is adaptability. Again, looking physical, mentally, and emotionally, you'll each have a chance to rebut. But adaptability, in my mind, seems to be being able to deal with unusual circumstances a loss of support or a loss of the items or powers or things like that that make them them. How does this person keep from going down? While a resilient character may be able to bounce back, an adaptable character should be able to avoid, right? Being able to be taken down. And so with that, we've got about another 10 seconds that I'll give you both to think about it. Again, I know I'm putting you a little bit on the spot and those of you at home who are playing, this is a great time to pause and think about your own answers Pass it around the room. Let everybody have an opportunity. But with that, it is time to continue. Mr. Dan, who is your character? Uh,
0: you know, I have one written down, but I'm going to change it. Um, i I originally had Marsh. I originally had the Martian Manhunter, John Jones, but I'm going to go with Harry Dresden.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much. Now let's go ahead and talk about on a physical level, how is his physical adaptability, mental and emotional adaptability? Justify your answer. Go. So
0: Harry Dresden, uh, again, I'm kind of going on a theme here. Uh, Mother died early on in life. Uh, He lived with his father uh, pretty much, his father was a, a magician. that they, they traveled around, so he had to be really adaptable. He he never lived in one place for very long. Uh, they moved from place to place. So he, early on, he learned how to be adaptable, how to adjust to this frequently moving lifestyle, uh, which you know has to be difficult for a child, both mentally, emotionally, and physically, uh, to not be able to have roots. Not only that, uh, at that. Early on in his life, his father mysteriously dies. His whole world is turned inside out. And then he's kind of brought in by his this uncle that he doesn't really know, uh, which then teaches him about magic and this universe uh, 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 that's out there that he never really knew existed. So he quickly adapts from... This world, world of moving around. His father dies. He now has his family he didn't know about. There's now this ma- world of magic that he's learning. He quickly develops his talent, and then finds out his uncle is training him to be ev- an evil sorcerer, and then has to kill his uncle to, be, to save himself, which it can't be an easy task because his uncle's this huge master sorcerer, uh, black magician dude. He ends up doing that. And then there's this massive council uh, you know that sees him as this evil person that they have to slay. And one person speaks up for him. he and he be he's granted clemency, kind of you know, it's kind of like on parole. Um, and he has the, the wardens constantly harassing him every time he makes a move they they're ready to to arrest him and kill him. And does he let that de- let it bring him down? No, he doesn't. He doesn't let him affect him mentally, physically or emotionally. You know, he keeps doing what he does best, helping other people. He helps them find things, he helps them solve mysteries. He he helps the Chicago police. He continues to do this despite the fact that they hate him. Despite the fact that they want to kill him. Eventually, he's found innocent. They let him go. He eventually comes into the fold of becoming a warden himself, you know, reluctantly, but he adapts to the situation because they need him and they need his expertise. He helps other people. And every situation that comes to him, no matter what it is, he has to quickly adapt. He thinks on his feet. He's brilliant. He's really smart. And no matter what situation comes his way, he's able to adapt to it. Find what needs to happen so he can solve the problem.
2: Perfect. Thank you very nice. much. Krebs, who have you chosen? I had a smattering of possibilities oh. here. Okay. And hold on really quick, actually. Um I forgot to mention for our viewers out there who are not familiar with Harry Dresden, he is from the Dresden Files. Yep, by Jim Butcher. So uh go ahead, Krebs. I apologize. Please continue. Uh, I had
1: a few characters I was trying to choose from, and I think they're all good answers, but I'm going to go with an underdog here. I'm going to go with Wade Watts, a.k.a. Parzival, from Ernest Cline's Ready Player One. Uh, Wade Watts is a high school-age boy who spends every extra second of his time looking into what what in his timeline is considered um, classic... Uh, pop culture and he's doing this because he in a way idolizes uh, this man uh, Halliday who created the oasis a virtual world where everyone tends to live their best life and uh, in in the process of this Halliday dies but then he leaves a video explaining that explaining that there's an Easter egg in the oasis, this massive virtual world. Uh, Where if you can find the three secret keys to unlock the Easter egg, you will win all of his fortune and controlling interest in Oasis. You will own the world's number one virtual arena. Uh, This has incredible implications for Wade Watts' world and his life. He is a poor kid who lives in the slums, who is abused by his aunt's boyfriend, and just does not live a quality life. This could change his stars. Uh, Wade Watts goes through a seemingly, a nearly impossible intellectual labyrinth of pop culture clues and hints and goes through terrifying scenarios. His real life friends that he knows via the Oasis, some of them are killed in the real world because they're getting too close to the egg. And he continues. Uh, His adaptability comes in, in that he can solve puzzles and he can see clues others simply do not notice or simply cannot solve. And he has to do this by constantly changing the orientation of his thought. Uh, In the end, of course, spoilers, in the end, uh, he and his friends do find all three keys. You have to find them individually, and he finds the third key on his own uh, by just understanding the nature of his idol, his icon, and uh, thus he takes control of Oasis, keeps it away from a greedy corporation, and effectively saves the virtual world.
2: Excellent. Now, quick follow-up, you didn't much talk about his physical nature.
0: Um, So the fact
2: that he is in a digital world may actually work against you. So think carefully.
1: Yes, I totally agree. As a high school kid who lives in the slums, he is physically unimpressive. In fact, he's just kind of average in looks and everything, which is sort of the beauty of his character in literature. But uh, when he's in the world of the Oasis, uh, he has his avatar. And because of his success uh, as as a gunter, as an egg hunter, Uh, he is able to uh, purchase modifications for his avatar that give him certain advantages. And ultimately, he takes these into combat, uh, where in all actuality, if he can't get out of the Oasis, they can kill him in the real world. There is a part of the book where he starts training his body by eating more healthy, by uh, training his body with cardio, he becomes completely focused on becoming the best country he can. So in the first part of the book, he's just a high school kid. In the second half of the book, he has gone through a physical renaissance to take on the physical strains of being in the Oasis nearly full time. So he changes himself physically over time. Still kind of an average human being, but he does improve.
2: Thank you. Uh, Dan, a rebuttal or addendum? for rebuttal against his character you can either rebut his character or add something to your own
0: well i, I i'm gonna throw this out there so you know, mentally weighed his ex- vast extent of knowledge pertains to the 80s it's pretty much it you know that, that's because he focuses so much on there uh harry dresden he knows a lot about a lot of things magic pr- uh, being a private detective, how to track people down, it, all great things. Uh, he's in great shape because, you know, he, he's he got to fight people. You know, he doesn't rely just on magic. He also relies on his wits and his strength uh, of, of character, as str- his physical strength. Wade, you know, unless he's in the Oasis, again, he's not very impressive. He, he yeah, yeah. His avatar, awesome, but it's an avatar in, in cyberspace. Um, and, you know, the other problem is, you know, if they find out his, his his IP address or his address, they could find him while he's plugged into the Oasis. Shoot him in the head, he's dead. Game over. You know, if, if they track Harry Dresden down, he's got his bracelet, he's got his, his staff, he's got some magic powers. He can stop them. The only time... Wade has anything when he's
2: in the Oasis. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Krebs, rebuttal or addendums?
1: Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up about, Wade.
2: You see, Harry
1: Dresden is a grown adult with tomes of knowledge that he can fall back on, with magical items, with special training. He has all these tools at his disposal that a poor kid from the slums does not. And I'm really glad that you brought up the IP address thing because IOI, or the 101s, however you want to look at it, they, uh, they actually did try to kill him on more than one occasion by ambushing him physically. The first time they did that, they killed a bunch of people because they bombed the slums. But Wade figured out what was going on with the power of his mind, with just his deductive reasoning and looking at the clues. He escaped his uh, what would have been his fate with just his wits and his high school kid body ability. He had no magic, he had no special training and he still beat an entire corporation seeking to destroy him. He was later captured and he escaped that too. And then he turned it on its head. He duped the IOI and he still beat them to find the egg. So even though he's just a kid and he has no special training and no magical abilities, he still wins the day. But he did have help.
0: He, oh, had, he had help, help. from he had help not only from his friends, but also, uh, what's his name's uh, partner? The guy that he, was played by Simon Pegg. I can't oh, remember. His oh, name. yes.
1: Halliday's partner. I, I'm just yes, his name partner. too, but I know, yeah. I know who you're talking about now. That is true, but that came later. That was after the first assassination attempt. I think it was after he was captured too that that came later. So. He still, I mean, at the very least, the first assassination attempt, he escaped just as a kid in high school who had to get out of the slums before they bombed him. And he did.
0: He helped him before he got the first key. Fair enough.
1: There was a hint in the bot, but he had to decipher the hint.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Well... We will continue the bickering offline. If you have any thoughts about this particular interaction, uh, please let us know them. We would love to hear them. But nevertheless, it is time. The reckoning has come. Uh, Dan referring to Harry Dresden and Krebs referring to Wade Watts. Let's start with Harry Dresden. Physical adaptability, Dan, on a scale of one to ten. Uh,
0: physical adaptability, I'm going to say a seven. Seven.
2: Seven. And Krebs for uh, Harry Dresden, physical adaptability.
1: I'm thinking through it. Um, I am pretty impressed by his physical capabilities. And uh, i want to go, I want to agree with Dan on this one. I'm going to give him a seven.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, continuing down, Harry Dresden, mental adaptability.
0: Dan. Mental adaptability, because he is a wizard. And a lot of that happens in the in in the mind. I'm gonna give it an eight. Uh, he's definitely not up there uh, compared to some other wizards out there, but he definitely is quick on his toes. He is able to come up with spells in the heat of the moment. You know, he's got a horde of vampires coming in on him, and he is able to summon a mighty uh, fire spell that literally obliterates everything. Uh, he has werewolves attacking him. He's able to come up, uh, a loop guru, excuse me. Uh, he's able to come up a, a ways to, to defeat that creature. I mean, there's even a point where he takes a pile of bones and reanimates a T-Rex to fight a, a goblin demon from the never, never, uh, that takes a lot of creativity and
2: mental fortitude and adaptability. Krebs, a scale of one to ten for Mister Dresden's mental adaptability. Oh man, um, Dan
1: makes some really solid arguments. I mean, he's persuading me over here. Um, I was uh, my my initial response. I'm going to stick with it, but my initial response was more of a seven than an eight, and the reason is, again, he's. Um, he's relying a lot on training. I do agree that he adapts. I do agree that he invents and that he innovates. I agree with all those things. I think that first he relies on his training. First, he relies on, you know, just sort of previous experience. And it's only in those rare occasions where he has to reach into the depths of his creativity to come up with something new. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's weak minded. In fact, if anything that shows his strength, I think that both he and Wade have encyclopedic (laughs) knowledge of their areas of expertise. Uh, I'm going to give him a seven because I think he falls back on, ha- on habit before he falls on adaptability.
2: Fair enough. And for emotional adaptability,
0: Dan, emotional adaptability. Again, I, I think I'm getting a theme here. Cause uh, again, <laughs> he, he does struggle with emotions. Um, But that, I think that's what makes a good character. Anyone that struggles with emotions, uh, I'm going to give him a five, just like I did with Hal Jordan. Uh, he does struggle. You know, you you threaten a friend, man, he he just loses it. You threaten a woman, a child, he loses it. Uh it, it it doesn't matter what how bad the bad guy is. They threaten a child, he's after them. Um but the one thing I do give him is he doesn't care about his, himself. He will go to, you know, to the mat for someone else. He doesn't care about himself. He cares about others, which gives him a. That's where I, I bump him up emotionally because that takes a lot to to put your you, put self below others. So, correct a five.
1: Um, yeah I, I I'm trying to decide between a five and a six. Uh, he's he's a bit more mature than both Hal and John Crichton, in my opinion. And as an adult, he's by default more mature than than wade watts and he i I think he kind of maybe out of necessity he puts his calling before himself which is a good thing but it also means that um, he doesn't have he doesn't take as many opportunities for emotional growth or for um emotional experiences because they're just not important to what he does um, he does have some romantic relationships. He does have some times where he, he is m- like mentally, emotionally tested. Um, I, I struggle with this one. I'm not entirely sure where I fall. So you know what? I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to give him a
2: 5.5. Excellent. Okay, moving over to talk about Mr. Wade Watts from Ready Player One. Uh, Krebs. Physical adaptability. Uh,
1: he starts off a high school kid, and by the end of the book, he has trained his body to be far more fit. He he's he's come a long way. Um, physical adaptability for uh, for a kid in his age range. I'm going to give him like uh, because of the changes he makes in the book. I'm going to go. I'm going to stretch on this one. I'm going to say seven.
2: Okay, and Dan.
0: So if we're look if we're comparing him to other kids his age, that's different than comparing him to Harry, definitely. That's true. Um, physically, I don't think he's very imposing. Uh, you know, compared to Hero or Hero, uh, yeah, no. I mean, that kid's a not only is he a ninja in the oasis, he's a ninja outside the oasis. So <laughs> I want to say physically, I'm gonna give way to five um, because I he's, see that. he' he's just not intimidating. and if it comes down to a fight, he just he can't I don't think he could really hold his own. Uh, other people in his his little gang could definitely um, you know, like h
2: h, oh yeah, totally. yeah can hold her can hold her own. Okay. Uh, Mental adaptability, Krebs. I think this is where Wade's
1: strength really shines. Um, Yeah, I realize he knows a ton of 80s pop culture, but it's not just the the pop culture knowledge. He has to look at all the clues, all the virtual worlds, and the real world in ways that other people don't see things. Um, I'm gonna... This is his strength. I think, especially considering his age, I want to give him an 8.5. Okay. Okay.
0: Dan, um, I'm a lot closer to Krebs on this. I'm going to say seven and a half, uh, not quite an eight. Um, I, I love the '80s, but, but um, he does have he 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 does have uh, leadership skills that definitely ranks him up there. He is able to unite all these people into this unified force. He's able to detect things I mean and pick out these hints uh, where the the Easter eggs are are hidden uh, he does a great job at that that definitely for a guy in high a kid in high school that is really really smart uh, you know I, I don't think if I were in that same situation where I would I be able to do the same thing um, yes I played lots of video games back then I, I, I enjoy video games I read I write but there is a difference to being going on an Easter egg hunt like they have, and being a, a high schooler and being able to do the research, which takes time, is boring, and able to pick out those minute details. Yes, he's a bit of a, uh, of a geek when it comes to holiday in the 80s, but still, it takes a lot of mental fortitude for that and adaptability to, to find those
2: little breadcrumbs that lead him to that to that to his goal excellent uh for emotional adaptability for mr wade watts krebs one to ten uh,
1: again taking into account that taking into account that he's a high school kid that kind of transcends being a high school kid and in the period of the book the book covers i think a couple years of, of time but um uh, he he's a high school kid who lost his parents was abused at home, lost his abusive aunt and her boyfriend and the cousins. Uh, people were murdered in the process of him trying to find this egg. Um, his friends were captured. Some were murdered. Uh, he had to sacrifice. There's a point where he had to make the ultimate sacrifice. He thought for a split second, actually thought um, leading up to that action, that if he did this, yes, it would save everybody and it would stop the IOI, but it would also stop him from getting the egg. That's what he believed when he took this, this sacrificial action, and he still did it. Um, and uh, in, he taught himself uh, to be master of himself. He, he disciplined himself. All uh, he, he, he accrued quite a bit of wealth at a young age prior to finding the egg, and he spent it wisely. He invested it. And he protected himself. Um, I'm going to say that on the emotional scale, especially for being a high school kid and for all that he suffered through and all that he saw, um, I think that he adapted quite well to his scenario. I'm going to give him a 9 just out of what he had to do at that age.
2: Damn.
0: Oh, I can't go a 9. That's, that's impossible. Um, I'm going to go a 6. I'll go a 6 on this. Um, he invested money, yes, but he had someone guiding him in those investments. Um, you know, Halliday's partner that he only paid a quarter, uh, per year. Um, you know, that's, that's the, that's, he had a lot of guidance to do that. Had he not had that guidance, I don't think he would be invested like, you know, as done. Yes, he had some emotional adaptability. Instead of taking all the power for himself, he split it up between him and the rest of the gang. So it was shared equally because they all equally fought that battle. Um, that's a huge thing in my, in my opinion. I don't know anyone in high school that would think of that. You know, if you were given a million dollars, would you share that between your friends? More often than not, no. they hoard it all. Um, uh I would like to say that I would have done that had that situation been, you know, something I went through. But more than likely, I, I probably wouldn't have. I would have bought all this cool junk. Um, so that's why <laughs> I, I'm definitely giving him more of a six. I'm definitely scoring him high emotion more emotionally than you know Harry or even Hal because, you know, Harry's a lone wolf. Hal's a lone wolf, but Wade. Uh, goes from being a lone wolf to being a pack. You know, he,
2: And he thinks of the pack, and it's not just him. Excellent. Nice. Thank you very much. Uh, just to kind of pass some of the notes that I took down, Harry uh, from the Dresden Files, right? Uh, I was a little disappointed to see kind of a cliche death of a parent going on, but nevertheless, we show that he moved all over the place. And... Through all of that, because of his lineage, it was asserted that he was evil. But even through all of that, he was focused on helping others, which earns a lot of points in my books. Um, and uh, with that, you know, no game over, man. And that feels pretty sweet. Uh, he's also got four <laughs> awesome names. So without either of you looking at your phones, I do want to ask can you give me Harry Dresden's full name for bonus points? Oh, I cannot. dan got this one. Oh,
0: my gosh. Uh,. I know it's Harry Copperfield uh, and Dresden. I know there's a middle one. Oh my gosh. I can remember three of them.
1: <laughs> I, I have the answer, but it's on screen. I would not have known this off the top of my head, so
2: I will not say it.
0: I can I'm remember gonna, three of the four. I'm going
2: to call that right there. Harry Blackstone
0: That's right. Copperfield. Walks. Copperfield.
2: Now, yep. what about our friend, Mr. Wade Watts? Do either of you know his middle name? No, I'll give no. you a hint. His initials have to do with a particularly famous uh, MMORPG. Is it Oliver? Two decades. It is Owen Wade Owen. Owen Watts. Wade Owen Watts. So no bonus points for names, but nevertheless, talking about Mister Wade Watts from Ready Player One, uh, he had to to utilize your words Wade through an intellectual labyrinth, mm. which is a perfect summary of the movie labyrinth uh he is empathetic uh and although he does have to deal with uh some buff debuff problems and uh i'm not a huge fan of his of him taking performance enhancing bugs nevertheless i gave him some bonus points so thus far before we move into round three i hope you all have gotten comfy so far uh in round one we had hal jordan the green lantern himself going up against John crichton from farscape john crichton came out front and was doing the very best that he could but hal jordan pulled it out from behind for the win going into round two he stood there to fight against wade watts who took him down after a little bit of effort to to be replaced by harry dresden who came out and was also taken down by Mr. Wade Watts, Ooh! which means that right now you are both one and one in round one. We had Hal Jordan win resilience. And in round two, we had Wade Watts win adaptability because both of you have actually scored exactly the same across the two rounds. I am going with the highest scoring character and it is very close. Mind you. Krebs, would you like to go first or second in round three? I'll be honest. I
1: was actually surprised. Um, I will go second in round three.
2: I'll go second in round three. Sounds excellent. And so for those of you still playing at home, I hope you've taken the time to tell your score, see how you're doing and describe the epic battles that are unfolding in your living room. But now it is time for round three of the rad dome. I had to, I had to do it right. I only get to take out this voice so many times per year. Okay, so noise. moving into round three, again, thinking physical, mental, and emotional. This is the part where you get to pull out the big guns. Everyone is super excited for this one because it's the thing that everybody thinks of when they think about pitting heroes against heroes and characters against characters. Even though I don't want to hear about choking hazards, let's talk ah. about Danger. Physical, mental, and emotional. Now, danger is about the way that this character is going to be able to represent themselves in a given conflict. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're always the one with the biggest gun or the biggest fists, but it does mean that they are going to be able to do the most damage in the least amount of time. Or, at the very least, the most damage. If they can't do it all at once, they will make sure that by the end of the fight, there is no more fight. And uh, for those of you who are at home, again, take a second to pause. Pause let everybody have a second to come up with their own heroes. But at this point, I would like to open up the floor to Mr. Dan Swenson.
0: Danger. Ah, uh, this is going to be fairly easy. Uh, I'm going with Batman. Batman. Because let's face it. He hits every one of these points because he, you know, mentally he has a well thought out plan For every superhero and supervillain out there, he knows how to take them out quickly, efficiently, and permanently. I mean, come on. He's got kryptonite stored to take out Superman uh, in case anything happens. He knows how to dismantle Lex Luthor's entire world at the touch of a button, and he can do it. He can take out the Martian Manhunter. He can take out the entire Justice League. And all it takes is just one thought and one decision. You know, we've seen it uh, in the current comic series, Batman, the, the Batman who laughs. It's Batman that goes evil. He's infected by the Joker gas, and he quickly, quickly takes apart the entire Justice League. He takes down and creates a criminal empire. Um, that it quickly destroys every supervillain out there and brings them under his power. So definitely, not only is he dangerous because of his well-thought-out plans, but he is also dangerous because if he were to become evil, he would wipe out everyone that would even challenge him. So much so that Darkseed even takes him under his wing and makes him... Uh, you know, he he's able to sit in the monitor chair, take control of it, which takes huge mental fortitude and emotional fortitude. And Darkseed twists him to his to his own needs. But even though he has done that, Batman is still his those wheels are still turning, and he comes up with a plan to overthrow Darkseed and starts manipulating powers that be to take out Darkseed. Yes, he wants to be in in control because he's been broken, but it's still there. Uh, He has suffered a lot of mental and physical... He has had his back broken by Bane, and he has rehabilitated himself and come back. He has been killed thought that he was killed and thrown through time and had bow- by bouncing through time has still been able to survive the dangers of being back in the prehistoric time, fighting dinosaurs, being a swashbuckling pirate, um, uh, going through the Victorian era. I mean, it, it, it's countless things and he's always been able to adapt. He's been resilient and he's still just as dangerous today as he, when he first donned the Batsuit. Um, and the best thing about how dangerous this he is, he even has a plan on how to defeat him if need be. Because if he goes bad, there's a plan for that.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Very well. Mr. Krebs, introduce ah. your fighter, please.
1: Uh, first, uh, I would like to talk to Mr. President and congratulate him on his uh, selection of hero. That was an excellent choice. Thank you. Uh, all right, moderator. Here we go. Um, I'll be honest, I had a few that came to mind, and it was a very hard choice. But I'm going to um, go with kind of a—I went with an underdog last time. I'm going to go with another one this time. I, tro- I chose Andrew Wiggin, who is also known as Ender from Ender's Game. You talk about the danger uh, of a character and the danger that they present, not just to win this fight, but to win all fights. In fact, that was a premise that was expressed in the book Ender's Game. That was the first place I ever saw such a concept that you don't just try to win this fight. You try to win all fights at the age of six years old. He was fighting bullies who were eight and ten years old, uh, and he knew at six that he had to win not just this fight, but all fights. And so he took it to the next level that most children would never think to do. And unbeknownst to him, he accidentally kills the lead bully, but it does exactly what he intended to do. While he is then inducted into battle school after being asked about why he continued to fight the way that he did and and giving the answer that he did, uh, that by showing superiority now he has prevented future struggle. Um, graf takes him into battle school and there he is relentlessly teased. Uh, He is completely underestimated until he shows his prowess uh of thought and uh creativity and his ability to outthink and outmaneuver his enemies in every test he eventually becomes uh the youngest uh team lead candidate he takes his team to win all of the competitions at battle skill, ultimately, or rather he wins the championship. And then he's given his command of his own armada. And unbeknownst to him, it's not a simulation. Later on, he discovers it's a simulation. And once he knows it's a simulation, he breaks protocol and he stops following orders. This kid who is brilliant beyond measure, who can outthink uh, the average human, the average alien at this point, and who um, is willing to let go of protocol and of, uh, of duty in exchange for what he believes is right. This kid is the most dangerous kid in the universe. He can wipe out an alien race or he could save them all.
2: It's all up to him. Excellent. Dan, a chance to rebut or append. So easy
0: rebuttal. If Batman was in Ender's universe, Batman would have a plan to take him out too. I mean it is it, it's just that simple. Uh Batman is just as intelligent he he's very resist, uh he, he seeing this build up. I mean, granted completely different universes uh the fact that there were simulations flying armadas Batman is just as brilliant as Ender is. Uh if Ender was in Batman's shoes I could easily see them being the same person. Um but the one place, the one place I see where they, they they differ is Batman takes a horrible situation and tries to find you know the, the best and how, how do I make the world better seeing how dark, bleak, and horrible it is. Ender chooses to flee instead of trying to make things better in his world with the human race, he runs to the aliens and says, hey, I'm going to make this better for you guys and we'll attack the humans. Uh, instead of trying to prove to the humans, hey, these guys aren't a threat, how can we coexist and live in a peaceful situation or make the best of it? Uh, that's, that's my problem.
1: My counter to that. Is the idea that were Batman and Ender to go up against each other in some sort of conflict? Um, I believe Batman is too delicate for that fight. You see, Batman has lost, has witnessed too many terrible things. He has lost too many people that matter to him, including his childlike sidekick. Uh, and I think the trauma that he has experienced from that would give him hesitation and he would pull his proverbial and physical punches were he to go up against Ender, whereas Ender does not have that problem. And I think Ender would ultimately be willing to do the thing that no one would think to do, whereas Batman would think of the thing that no one was willing to do, and he still wouldn't do it because Ender's
0: a kid. Hmm. Yeah, you haven't seen the issues where he's beating his son up. (laughs) (laughs) Baby and Wayne (laughs) as the Robin. Uh, Yeah, Uh,
2: he doesn't pull punches there. Excellent. Gentlemen, thank you both. Good job, Dan. For participating so far. I like your choices for this round. um, And I won't jump ahead because first things first, we need to get your guys' scores down. So, Dan, physical danger for Batman.
0: Uh, I think Batman physically... The danger is a nine. I mean, he is not afraid to pull a punch. He will beat (laughs) the Joker or whoever needs to be to a bloody pulp if he needs to, uh, to stop them. He is not afraid to punch. He's not afraid to inflict physical damage or harm to save the day.
2: Krebs, physical danger for Batman.
1: Uh, I think I agree with Dan on this one. I was vacillating between eight and nine. Uh, primarily for the uh, I, Batman is extremely dangerous and he will hang people off of buildings and he will beat them to a bloody pulp, but he will always to the best of his ability, stop short of killing, of killing someone. Um, and so I, I think I'm going to side with Dan on this and go with a nine.
2: Mental danger for Batman. Dan. I, uh,
0: again, I, uh, I want to go a nine with him because mentally, He is very dangerous. He has formulated detailed plans to precisely take out every member of the Justice League, every superhero out there, every supervillain out there and not, and their detailed plans. Do this, do that. If you do this, this will happen. And all these things that takes a vast, brilliant mind. And not only that, all of his gizmos and gadgets are things that he has designed the Batmobile, the Batwing, his suit, these are all things that he has designed, and he's constantly improving and making better. Um, and that takes a lot. And and not only that, he does that all by avoiding using guns. I mean, that's just fantastic.
2: So what was your number again? I apologize. Nine. Excellent. And Krebs, mental danger uh, for Batman.
1: I disagree with Dan. I can't give a nine here. That's I have nine. to give him a ten.
2: <laughs> uh, he...
1: I think Batman's mental game is his most dangerous game. Uh, I would give Tony Stark a 10 in this category. I give Batman a 10 in this category for like all the same reasons. Uh, It has to do with his uh, ingenuity, his insane genius, his ability to live two completely different lives convincingly, um, which is something Tony Stark hasn't had to do, Um, but uh, I I I think Bruce Wayne, slash Batman, I think his mental game is where he is absolutely top-notch. I don't think he's a perfect human being by any means. I don't think that he can't be beaten necessarily, but on a long enough timeline, on the mental front,
2: he always comes out on top. Thank you very much. Emotional danger. Dan, for Batman, go. Uh,
0: Emotional
2: danger. Um, I want to say a seven. And this
0: is because emotionally he can shut down his emotions hard um, to the point that he isn't, he's a cold, non-feeling machine. He has learned a way to shut that portion of him off so that he can get the job done. However, those within his inner circle, those he lets in, he cares about them a lot uh, he will do everything he can to protect them. He will do everything he can to protect his city. He will do everything he can to protect Alfred. Um, and, and beyond that, he is willing to keep secrets like no other. I mean, he knows the identity of Superman. Not very many people do, and he is not willing to to let that go doesn't matter how much torture or abuse he suffers he won't let that secret go that takes a lot um but at the same time you know he gets loose he shuts that door emotionally he will hunt you down and take you out
1: uh this is another one of those times where i'm going to disagree with dan and give him a slightly higher score i'm going to go with eight (laughs) on this one because the category is danger and when we talk about emotions, I agree with Dan, uh, to, I agree with Dan that Batman knows how to channel his emotions into useful energy. Um, he, now he loses the two points out of a perfect 10 because those emotions can be pushed to a breaking point where he loses his edge. He starts making mistakes. He, or he's. Like, he has a soul-crushing moment that debilitates him for a time. Um, he All of all of the best villains in Batman know that you don't go after Batman. You go after Alfred. You go after Robin. You go after the Gordons. You go after Innocent Lives. You do the things that matter to him because Batman does not matter to Batman. So you don't go after him. You go after the people he cares about. Um, those two points are his uh, exploitation. But... The other eight points are because even when he's furious, even when he's heartbroken, even when he is passionately disturbed, he can channel that into useful energy and still get the job done almost every time.
2: Excellent. Thank you. Um, a, uh, uh, yep, I, I'm actually not going to do that quite yet. So let's jump over to Cribs. Talking about Ender, Mr. Andrew Wigan.
1: His physical danger, again, we have to take it this under the lens of he starts off as a six-year-old. He ends the book at about age 10 or so, if I remember correctly, or something to that effect. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's about 10. So from the time from the start of the book to the end of the book, he physically kills an older kid. Um, it's on accident. But he does it with sheer force of his six-year-old body. Um, And it's because he made up his mind to do serious damage. And so he did the best he could. Uh, I think he's a kid who does the most he he can with what he's got. In other situations, he does get into some bullying situations where he's physically intimidated or he has to get into a fight with someone. Um, His physical danger is, generally speaking, not high. But he has moments where he does incredible damage. I'm going to even those things out and given his age, I'm going to give him a six.
2: Dan.
0: Uh, you know, physically I'm going to go a five. Uh, he's not very intimidating. I do agree with the points, uh, the Krebs brought up where, you know, he made the decision he went through with it. Um, but he's not a scary, you know, when you're looking at someone like that, you're not seeing danger. Um, and he only goes to that point when it's like, hey, I have no other choice. He's backed into a corner. Um, that's when he becomes dangerous. You keep him out of the corner, you're pretty much in control of the situation
2: with him, physically. Nobody puts Ender in a corner. No. <laughs> okay, uh, Krebs talking about Ender for mental danger.
1: Uh, again, I, I take it into account his age, but also what he accomplishes. This is where I think Ender shines. I'm giving him a full 10. He's a little kid, but he's a little little kid with extreme mental potential. And he exercises that potential brilliantly to the point where adults cannot control him. He's in control of what he does. Um, I give him a 10, given his age and his situation, and the fact that he goes from destroying his bullying problem all the way through uh, finding his own solution to a galactic problem damn
0: uh i'm not gonna give him a 10. uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go an eight the reason he loses two points is yes this is his greatest skill but he loses those two points because as brilliant as he is he didn't see that he was being manipulated he didn't see the strings that were being pulled to get him into this place um and so that really kind of pulls him back And, and not only that he gives up on humanity uh, in in a way, so that really mentally, that kind of doesn't jive for me. So I'm giving him the eight. I'd like to throw i I'd like to
1: play the cherry on top card here, um, but that's what makes him dangerous. Uh, he is human. He understands what's at stake, and he makes a very difficult choice because he has determined, of his own volition, that humans are the greater danger. And so instead of annihilating an alien race and preserving his people, he is now the most egregious threat against all of mankind. And it's all on his own.
2: The other thing that I would add, and um, this is, uh, I've already written down the numbers, so don't worry, I'm not manipulating scores at this point. But what I will say to that is... If you go on to read particularly Speaker for the Dead, which is one of the most influential books from my young adult years, you will find that his giving up of humanity is a portion of his hero's journey that is necessary in order for him to reclaim it and make it a part of himself, which up until he lets it go, his ability to connect with the rest of humanity was horribly distorted And by being able to reconnect, in my estimation and belief, he actually became one of the most human people to live. Nevertheless, moving along, uh, emotional danger Krebs for Ender Wiggin.
1: Um, This is where I struggle a little bit. Uh, He, as a character, is basically taught to live counter to his emotions or to not let emotions rule. He has siblings who are essentially uh his his sister is a benevolent sociopath and his brother is uh a <laughs> is a not so benevolent sociopath um because of their level of genius they have lost a lot well she's the embodiment of empathy his sister and his brother is the embodiment of lack of empathy um ender sort of straddles the line in between and uh even though he's a kid he and even though he gets his feelings hurt and he's scared and things like that, uh, he seeks approval, things that you would imagine a kid does, he still acts in a way that keeps those feelings in check at the age of six and seven and eight. He's putting those emotions in check and he instead allows logic to rule and his logic is insanely dangerous to other people who are, who are opposing him. Um, Given this emotional intelligence at such a young age, I want to give him a seven for danger on the emotional scale.
2: Mm, Dan, emotional danger from Ender Wigan. Mm. You know, I, this one's a hard one to gauge, dude. It is a it is a hard
0: one. I'm going to say five and a half. Um, because I don't really, he's very mental. He thinks about the things. I don't really think he is emotional you know even with the fight with the bully it came down to uh, you know it came down to a thought process it wasn't hey i responded emotionally i wanted to do to to end this i thought about this clearly i wasn't going to let it happen anymore it wasn't a you know it wasn't a moment of passion it wasn't a moment of uh, of emotion um it was purely methodically thought out so I think this is where he, he is the weakest across the board uh, because I don't think he's a very emotional person. There are emotions. He can care. We see that when he decides to, to reject moving forward. Um, so there is, there is a, a, a code of ethics, a, a core belief within himself, which is, can only be built on emotions. Um, so that's why I'm getting them the five and a half.
2: Excellent. Thank you both very much for your input and your time on this. And for those of you who are listening out there, I hope that you are tip tapping away to tell us exactly how we are right and how are we, how we are wrong. However you go about that, please be courteous to each other and to us as best as you can, even if you have to educate us and help us to understand a different point of view. But nevertheless, in round three, talking about danger, let me give you a couple of my notes and then we'll go on to say who wins. First off, Dan, talking about Batman from DC. Uh, I, my initial snide response was way to return to the comfortable bat cave. <laughs> um, he, and very much to the, some of the points that were brought up, I do believe that he can be broken However, I did appreciate that you mentioned the plan B for Batman. The final thing that I will say, however, is I've always found it rather suspicious that despite the fact that he is one of the world's greatest detectives, he still doesn't understand that when he punches somebody off the side of a building, he is fundamentally violating his do not kill code. (laughs) Um, Cribs, I'm not going to say too much about Andrew Wiggin because unfortunately I am wholly and completely biased on that one. Uh, I do believe very firmly in the idea of him being able to end all fights. And uh, that was the primary note that I put down there. But let's talk about how it all played out. So again, in round one, Dan pulled ahead with Mr. Hal Jordan coming out with a fighting spirit, resilient to the end. In round two for adaptability... We had Wade Watts from Ready Player One pull ahead, mostly on the merits of his mental adaptability, but nevertheless a very strong candidate. In round three, at the start of the fight, Batman comes out swinging. He wants to hit his opponent behind the screen, but then quickly realizes that it is a child and his resolve wavers somewhat. This is also where he's trying to decide whether or not this is a fight that he wants to fight, and Andrew Wiggin begins to pull slightly ahead in the final round. Both of, or in the final category, both of them being re- relatively emotionally compromised and brittle. Uh, the only way that I could see this ending is mutually assured annihilation, and I kid you not, folks. When I wrote and tabulated everything up. We had a perfect tie in round three, which means that the teams annihilate each other. And so because of that, I have to rate your teams across the three categories to determine a winner. First, in the physical category, Dan pulls ahead with 68 points. Absolutely. In the mental category, which was by far our strongest category, Krebs. You took first place with 77 points, which means that in round three, it comes down to the emotional stability of our teams. And Krebs took it. Congratulations, Mr. Krebs. You have won the Rat Dome tonight. Thank you very much.
1: I'll be honest When it came down to the emotional score, I thought Dan's characters were going to take it. I really did.
2: You guys were very, very close. um, uh, Very, very close uh, in mental and emotional categories. Uh, Dan had pulled away in physical by a fairly reasonable margin, but you were, you were slightly ahead in mental and moderately ahead in emotional. And so it all came together, but nevertheless, that leaves it out to you guys in the real world. Please tell us how we're wrong. Tell us how we're white. Post your brackets and let us know which characters you wanted to see enter the rad dome tonight. We would love to hear from you. And I'm sure that we will have future editions of, the rad dome and Elton thank you so very much for running the rad dome I
1: love the rad dome win or lose does not matter it's always a good time Dan that was an awesome fight thank you buddy
0: yep 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 so it's now 1h uh, we both won one uh yeah no is it tiebreaker it episode so. to come <laughs> yeah so this episode definitely went really long folks we understand that but we hope you had fun uh we have more awesome shows to come and uh with that said we'll catch you next time.
2: Tell your story, whatever may come. And just like my three champions for tonight, be epic! Don't suck! Remember,
0: the Force will be with you, always.